from danger to safety. That's the message today, from danger to safety. You see, there was a problem in heaven. You'll remember that problem. But then it moved down to planet Earth, and there were two voices. There were two voices that, that uh, well, and I'm looking this morning. Is it on the monitor yet? See anything on the monitor yet? There they go. They got it. They, unfortunately, they've got an equipment problem. They've got to shift back and forth a little bit. So, uh, But there were two voices. One said, you shall surely die. And the other one said, you shall not surely die. So right in the very beginning, there was, a, there was a situation here. And of course, you know the story. Adam and Eve believed the second voice. They believed the second voice. And right then began all of our problems. His, Adam's thoughts were pure. His aims holy. But through disobedience, his powers were perverted and selfishness took the place of love. His nature became so weakened through transgression that it was impossible for him, in his own strength, to resist the power of evil. Notice how he said, in his own strength, to resist the power of evil. He was made captive by Satan and would have remained so forever had not God specially interposed. Now, I, some of you came up to me the other day and said, you know, you go through these so fast that I don't have a chance to write down the, the references. Well, that's true. I've got a lot of these to go through. So basically, though, if you get the DVD later on, and then you can go through and pause it, and you can write, down the, write them down, right? So in Genesis 3, 8, and 9, And they heard the voice of Jehovah walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Jehovah God called to Adam and said, Where are you? You see, they had a problem right in the beginning. They disbelieved God. They accepted the devil's lies. And they began separating from God. At that moment, by the way, it was like a huge butcher knife carved a gaping hole out of man. And ever since that time, man has been searching to fill that void. And you see, that void is God. That void is God. The only thing that fits that hole is God. We try and fill it with alcohol and drugs and sex and, and you name it to make us feel better. But the only thing for anybody in here and the rest of the world is God. That's the only thing that will make us feel better. That's the only thing that really fits that hole. But God came calling out. He wanted to protect them. He wanted to draw them back from the danger that they had placed themselves in. Adam, Eve, where are you? Well, he knew exactly where they were. But he wanted to call them and have them respond. Where are you? Where are you this morning? Where are you? Is God calling out for you? You can be sitting in the church. You can look nice and be lost. You realize that? Church is not a place that is just totally safety because you're sitting in church. No, church is a place you're safe because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But above all, remember that no prophecy in Scripture will be found to have come from prophets' own prompting, for it never did any prophecy come by human will, but men sent by God spoke as they were impelled by the Holy Spirit. So God is still calling. God is still calling. After the garden, he developed a plan whereby he would use prophets. He would use men and women called by him, impelled by the Holy Spirit to speak for him, to continue to call and draw people from danger. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is before me. I will destroy them with the earth. I will destroy them. He spoke through Noah. He spoke through Noah. Noah for 120 years called people, please get into the ark. God is going to, God is going to create 
a great storm. Rain? What's rain? The scientist of the day, you know. Scientist of the day said, it's never rained. It's not going to rain. It can't rain. I was listening to a television here just a short time ago when they were saying, uh, well, all the animals you know that died recently. You heard about all the these animals here died in this country and all these died and all these millions died or whatever here and here and here and here and here. And the scientist got on. He said, oh, he said, he said, there, there is nothing about this. this. This is always happening. We just have more news now that reports it more rapidly. Sure, sure. The, you you kind of wonder what it was like. I know they probably, maybe, didn't have television in Noah's day. I say maybe because you realize that they were a whole lot more intelligent than we've been trained to believe nowadays. You know, the, they were actually far more intelligent than we are. They may have had many developments far greater than we have. I don't know if you've ever read uh, Rene Nurburgen's book, uh, Secrets of the Lost Races. He called it out-of-place artifacts, ooparts. Lady shoveling coal in the 1800s into her stove in England, and all of a sudden a big piece of coal drops out, breaks on the floor, and there inside the coal is a gorgeously carved silver necklace. How did it get there? Well... Scientists say, oh, it, it, you know, it's some fluke. It couldn't have gotten there, you know. Find human footprints in dinosaur tracks of the same era. Oh, that, that can't be possible. Find batteries in, in uh, the pyramids of Egypt uh, that they use citric acid, perhaps, to, to light the insides of the pyramids. Oh, that can't be. Out-of-place artifacts because it doesn't fit with modern scientists saying we have evolved. We have not evolved we are actually getting worse. We're going down with time because of sin. The devil is dragging us down and down and down and God is calling us back. By their obstinate resistance to the reproofs of conscience and the warnings of God's prophets, that generation filled up the measure of their iniquity and became ripe for destruction. Speaking of those in Noah's day, God sent his prophets to call them. You remember Methuselah, when I die, the coming they didn't know the coming of what until Noah came on the scene and said, it means coming, the floods of waters coming. And when he dies, when he dies, the floods are going to come. Can you imagine what a great evangelistic tool that was? Put up Methuselah on the stage. Look, this man is 968 years old. Nobody's ever lived this long. And when he dies, the coming of the waters. The coming of the waters. 969 years old. Look at this man. Look at this man. How long can he live? When he dies, the flood is going to come. You better get into the ark of safety now. God is calling you from danger to safety. And of course, we know the sad, sad story. Very few accepted God's call and got into the ark. Brothers and sisters, there's always a remnant of a remnant that are saved. Biblically, not everybody is saved. God calls everyone. He desires that everyone come from danger to safety, but it's our own personal choice, and very few choose to follow God all the way. By their obstinate resistance to the reproofs of conscience and the warnings of God's prophets. It was God's prophets that he used to call. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, and thy brethren like unto me, and unto him shall ye hearken. Moses speaking. 
Turn at my warning. Behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I called and you did what? You refused. I stretched out my hand and what happened? No one paid attention, but you have despised all my advice and would have none of my warning. God continually sent his prophets to speak to his people to call and they would have nothing to do with it. You called and you refused. I called and you refused, he said. We always look back at those times and say, oh, if I had been in those days, if God's prophet had called, I certainly would have responded. Why? Look at the times they were involved in. Look at all the situations. And had the prophet called me, I would have responded. Would you? Would you? 1 Samuel 8. Turn with me this morning if you have your Bibles. 1 Samuel 8. Verses 4 to 7. 1 Samuel 8, verses 4 to 7. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and the sons walk not in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like the other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel that they said, Give us a king and judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected thee, but have rejected me. Samuel, it's okay. They're not rejecting you as God's prophet. They are rejecting me. When you reject God's prophet, you reject God. And they wanted to be like, what what did they want to be like? All other nations. We want to be like everybody else. We want to be like the rest of the world. We don't want to be different. We don't want to be led by some prophet. We want to be like everybody else. Give us a king. And they rejected God. Jeremiah, to whom shall I speak, God says, and give warning that they may hear. Behold, their ears are not circumcised, and they cannot listen. Behold, the word of Jehovah is to them a, what? A reproach. They have no delight in it. Their ears are not circumcised. In other words, their ears are not committed to God. They don't want to hear God's word. They don't want to listen to God's prophet. It's a reproach to them. God gives the warnings, but nobody listens. Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have even sent to you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. But you have not listened or bowed down your ear to hear. So God, throughout history, from the garden, continually sent his prophets to call his people, to draw his people to himself. And they did not want to hear. But they did not listen, nor bow their ear, but walked in their what? What did they walk in? In their own plans, in the stubbornness of their evil hearts, and went backward, not forward. 
when you listen to God's prophets, what direction do you go? Forward. When you don't listen to God's prophets, you go backward. You go backward. God desires each one of us to go forward, but they went from safety to danger because they would not listen. They would have nothing to do with it. And Jesus, you remember Jesus there sitting up on the Mount of Olives. I shared this with you the other day, my painting in my office of Jesus. It's a beautiful painting. Had it there for years. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent to her. How often would I have gathered you, your children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicks under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. What's God's gathering mechanism? Anybody? The prophets. God's gathering mechanism is the prophets. If you want to be gathered under God's wings, if you want to be drawn to God, to have His protection in your life, then you must follow the prophets. I got two amens, one hearty one here and one a little weaker over here. Anybody else? All right. You are awake once in a while this morning, huh? But what happens when we don't follow the prophets? The last line, your house is left to you what? Desolate. That's a prophecy in itself. You realize that's a prophecy. You do not follow the prophets, expect a desolate house. Expect no blessings. Expect no real joy. Expect no protection from God. Because you have ignored God. You have ignored the voice of God when He sends His prophet to you and you pay no attention. Oh, stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so you do. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you have been the betrayers and murderers. Now we say, oh yeah, I, I certainly, man, I wouldn't have been there and nailed Jesus to the cross. I wouldn't have done these things. I would have followed those prophets. I wouldn't have been found out there whitewashing the sepulchers. Hmm. Now, we move from Christ's crucifixion to the Christian era. To the Christian era. Did anything change? Did anything change? Well, let's look at Malachi 3.6. For I am Jehovah, and what does God say? Anybody? I change not. God doesn't change. I change not. What did Jesus say? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's plan is always ongoing and the same. He never changes His plan in midstream. He is continually calling, he's continually drawing, he continually wants to take us from danger to safety. And so how does he do that? Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out in the world. 1 John 4, 1 through 3. What kind of prophets are gone out in the world? False prophets. And if there are false prophets, that means what? There must be true prophets, right? There must be true prophets. So in the Christian era, God continues the same as He always has. He continues to send prophets. 
Beware of false prophets, Matthew 7, 15 to 16. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are raving wolves. Yea, shall ye know them by their fruits. So he even gives us a, a way to tell the false from the true. By their fruits you shall know them. Now someone today, I, I love this, you know, this, this is a little bit of an aside, but people today, you know, they, they take all this and say, oh, you can't, you can't judge, you know, you've got to take the beam out of your eye. You cannot judge. Oh, okay, but we can be fruit inspectors. Amen. You realize that? We can be fruit inspectors. We don't need to judge. We can just simply look at the fruits and say, aha. But God says, beware of false prophets, which means there are true prophets in the Christian era today. 2 Chronicles 24, 19 says, He sent prophets to them to do what? Bring them again to Jehovah. Bring them again to Jehovah. That's God's greatest desire is to bring us to Him. And He does that through His prophets. And God sent some in the church firstly, set some in the church firstly, apostles. Secondly, what? Prophets. Acts 13, 1. And in Antioch, some among the existing church were what? Prophets. Some in the church were prophets. So it continued on, Old Testament to New Testament, prophets calling from danger to safety and truly he gave some to be apostles some to be prophets for what what was the reason perfecting of the saints for the edifying of the body do you want to be perfect in God follow his prophets do you want to be edified in Jesus Christ in the body of Christ then follow his prophets And this until we all come in the unity of the faith to the measure, the stature, of the fullness of Christ so that we no longer be infants tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine in the dishonesty of men, in the cunning craftiness to the wiles of deceit. Whoa, that, that sentence is pregnant with information. Tossed, carried, winds of doctrine, dishonesty, cunning craftiness, wiles of deceit how do we how do we protect ourselves from all of that that's going on in the church follow the prophet accept God's word listen to God and God calls calls where are you where are you come I want to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks to protect you from all of this from all of this vileness all of this filth that's going on today now in this world. But there is a problem. The accession of the Roman church to the power marked the beginning of the Dark Ages. We'll find this in great controversy. Marked the beginning of the Dark Ages. As her power increased, the darkness deepened. Faith was transferred from Christ, the true foundation, to the Pope in Rome. So all of a sudden, a period in a time of great darkness. And during this time, there is no prophetic word from the Lord. Darkness falls upon the land. Darkness falls upon the land when there is no prophet. The sovereignty of the Pope, though, Pius VI ended during the French Revolution. When, when 
uh, French general Berthier, Berthier, I guess is how you'd say it, came in in 1798 through the Pontiff in, in prison where he eventually died and the Dark Ages were ended. The time is at hand. What time is that? What time is that? Well, 1844. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm. In my holy mountain let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh. 1844, judgment hour. Judgment hour verse history. 1798 and shortly thereafter Jesus moves from the first apartment to the second apartment in the sanctuary to minister judgment hour time. The great day of atonement. And who's going to confirm this message? You see, I mentioned Noah a little earlier. Enoch walked with God. God gave him a son, Methuselah, when I die the coming. Down here, Noah confirmed this prophecy when it was time for that prophecy to be fulfilled and said, this is it. This is the time. This is the hour. God is going to wipe out the earth by a flood. Get into the ark of safety. God gives Daniel a prophecy. Seventy weeks are determined upon your people to put an end of sin, to an end of transgression, to anoint the most holy. Down here, God raises up a prophet, John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, there is one among you here today whose shoes I am not worthy to untie. By the way, by the way, when he says that, all the church leaders of their general conference, everybody's there, they're looking around and saying, who, who, where, where, where? The Messiah is standing among them and they didn't recognize him. You realize that? The Messiah is there and his people do not recognize him. Why? This is life eternal that they might know thee. We've got to have a personal friendship and relationship with God or he can be in our midst and we will never recognize it. God gave... Daniel a vision, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Down here. If God is the same as always, then something has to happen down here, right? If he follows the progression that he usually does, something's got to happen. Let's, let's keep that in mind for a second here. As the third angel's message arose in the world, which is to... Re- reveal the law of God to the church in its fullness and power, the prophetic gift was also immediately restored. Let me read that part again. As the third angel's message arose in the world, what message is that? Revelation 14, right? You call it the third angel, but it's the three messages, the three angels there of Revelation. That's all lumped into this message. Which is to reveal the law of God to the church in its fullness and power, Read this part with me. The prophetic gift was also immediately restored. This gift has acted a very prominent part in the development and carrying forward of this message. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, went to a war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The devil hates the message. The devil hates God's prophets because it's the prophets who protect them from the devil. And that's why his special wrath is against God's prophets. 
throughout history. He's stoned them. He's sawed them in half. He's, he's tried to throw them off of cliffs. He's done everything. He's tried to choke them and strangle them to death. He's done everything because he hates the prophets so much. And when he can't directly destroy them, he goes to the people to tell the people they're worthless. Prophets are nothing. You don't need a prophet. You need a king. Follow the world, not the prophet. That's his lie. And they fell at his feet to worship him. He said unto them, See thou do it not. I am a fellow servant, speak, the angel speaking. And of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This is speaking, of course, we know as Seventh-day Adventists of God's last day people. They have the spirit of prophecy. Now, 1844, like I say, we look down here. Daniel, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. By the way, if you ask any good Jew, we briefly mentioned it the other day, if you ask him about the day, oh yeah, the day is Yom Kippur, the cleansing of the sanctuary, the great day of atonement. Unto 2,300 Yom Kippurs, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. I don't even know that we need a, a day for a year to figure that one out. But down here, if God does the same as he always does. He needs to raise up a prophet here to point to the great judgment hour, the fulfillment of the prophecy that Daniel said would happen, right? Well, there was mainly three people. In 1844, there were three prophets, quote, unquote, Mary Baker Eddy. You remember Mary Baker Eddy, Church of Christ scientist. What did Mary Baker Eddy do? Well, in, let's see, in 1844 she got married, but she didn't say anything about Daniel's prophecy. Uh, Joseph Smith, Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, Joseph Smith. Did Joseph point back here to Daniel and to the great judgment hour and to where Jesus was in the sanctuary? No, it actually, he was escaping out of jail in 1844 and was shot and killed. Ellen Harmon, age 17. What about Ellen Harmon? Oh, yes. Ellen Harmon looked back and said, yes, we are in the judgment hour. It's time to get ready. It's a great day of atonement. Cleanse yourselves. Make yourselves clean in the righteous blood of Jesus Christ. Seek to make yourselves right with God. And she confirmed the prophecy. She confirmed the prophecy. Ellen White, what about this lady? Born in 1827, died in 1915. She's the most translated woman writer in the entire history of literature most translated American author of either gender. That's pretty amazing just in itself. Ellen White had 2,000 visions. They varied in length from less than a minute to nearly four hours. During this time, think about this, during this time she would have no breath whatsoever. They brought in doctors, they brought in people to examine her, and they said, no, there is no breath. Can you imagine standing upright, perhaps, and having no breath for four hours? Only by the grace of God, exactly, exactly. Now, another interesting thing is during that four hours, her eyes would be open and she'd never blinked. Now you go ask a physician what that does to you with your eyes open for four hours and never blinking, never allowing moisture to come on your eyes. Go look it up on the internet. See what, see what you find afterwards. It's only another miracle, another miracle. One time here, and the White Estate, if you ever get, how many of you have been to the White Estate to be able to check it out? A few of you, you need to, if you can, get there sometime down in the 
we, we, we kid them down, they're down in the basement, right? But they, they kid everybody else to say that's the pillars and the foundation of the building. Amen. Go down there in the, in the vault and uh, there's the Bible. About 18 and a half pounds and they have one that everybody can handle. And see how long you can hold that Bible out at arm's length. 18 and a half pound Bible. I can do it for, I don't know, uh, 10 seconds, 15 seconds maybe. They've got a, a photo there of the world's strongest man, and he held it for two and a half minutes. The world's strongest man held it for two and a half minutes at arm's length. Ellen White in this particular vision, she was in this vision for 20 to 30 minutes and held this Bible up and out at arm's length, this little lady, and would point and quote the verses, and someone got up on a chair and looked out there, and sure enough, she was quoting the verse verbatim, running her finger exactly along the text and holding that Bible out all that time and never setting it down. Interesting. Interesting how God gave some very interesting proof as to who she was. But there's so much more than just, just these things to, to cause the naysayer problems. Listen to what she says. Early in my youth, I was asked several times, Are you a prophet? I have ever responded, I am the Lord's messenger. I know that many called me a prophet, but I have made no claim to this title. This is such an interesting quote because these are the people who want to say the prophet is not really a prophet. Even, even she never called herself a prophet. She said she wasn't a prophet, and therefore she's not a prophet. I don't know how many times I've heard that statement over and over and over. Well, she wasn't a prophet. She even said herself she wasn't a prophet. Why have I not claimed to be a prophet, she says? Because in these days many who boldly claim that they are prophets are a reproach to the cause of God. And because my work includes, includes much more than the word prophet signifies. Oh, if they'd only finish reading the sentence. But isn't that just the way the devil does? Remember when he quoted to Jesus there up on the temple? You know, cast yourself off, the angels will bear thee up. You know, he, he never finishes the rest of the quote. He uses the quotes just to match what he wants. And this is exactly what the devil's doing today. He only uses those parts of the sentences that prove his point. But when you finish, she was much more. Oh, it included all the prophetic work, but she said, I was much more than a prophet. Spiritualism developed and reached its peak growth in membership from 1840s to 1920s. By 1897, it was said to have more than 8 million followers in the United States and Europe. So she looked at this situation. By the way, why do you think that happened? The, the, the spiritualism just sprung up during and around 1844. Why do you think that happened? Satan has a counterfeit, right? Remember the other day, he, he will bring fire from heaven. Fire always represents the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that tomorrow, the fire of the Holy Spirit, a false Pentecost, a false situation. The devil wanted to bring something that's absolutely false, and so he brought in spiritualism around this time. He brought in all kinds of false prophets around this time. Here's some of them. Franz Mesmer, being mesmerized, it was, he was the father of, of the hypnosis and, and hypnotism and all these things. Cora Scott, very nice looking lady who used her looks to, to woo many people. 
she was, she was a channeler. She would channel all of, these, all of these various spirits. She wrote a book apparently while she was channeling from another spirit. Pascal Randolph. Oh, he, he was a medical doctor who took off and did all kinds of weird things, which I'm not even going to mention here today. Andrew Davis, again, spiritualist. These are all in and around the same time. Then Joseph Smith and Mary Baker Eddy. Uh, Vladimir Sol- Soloviv, if you're Russian out there, did I pronounce that properly? But uh, Vladimir, at nine years old, he had a vision of this beautiful lady, an incredible vision of this gorgeous lady who, who was said to be the goddess, the, the female incarnation of God. He searched for her, he he pleaded, he searched everywhere for her, and finally at about, I don't know, I think in his 20s, he, another vision. And the vision said, go to Egypt. He traveled to Egypt, where he saw her in the desert. He met with her in the desert. And oh, it transformed his whole life. And he, he wrote and he talked about all this and how our oneness with the universe and with God. All of these things. And then the Fox sisters, remember the Fox sisters? The wrappings, you know, they begin... These, these wrappings in the home and they talked with this spirit and it turns out this spirit supposedly was, was a slain uh, peddler who'd been killed in the house five years earlier for his $500 and they buried him in the basement. And later on, sure enough, they found, found these bones down there in the basement. And now the, the spiritualists, you know, they, they bought the house, they've got the house on display and they've got the bones on display and everything and that proves all these things. All of this was happening in and around that time that Ellen White says, I'm much more than a prophet. No, I don't call myself a prophet because all these people call themselves prophets and all these things. No, no, I am much more than a prophet. You see the the setting? You need to look at the setting of some of these things. My Savior declared unto me to be his messenger. Your work, he instructed me, is to bear my word. Strange things will arise, and in your youth I set you apart to bear the message to erring ones, to carry the word before unbelievers, and with pen and voice to reprove from the word and actions that are not right. God calling his people from danger to safety to reprove for actions that are not right, to call the erring ones, please come back. Bear the message to call the erring ones back. And oh, so many times we find how Ellen White spoke to people, very pointed testimonies, that all of a sudden they woke up and brought them far, that far journey back to God. Exhort from the word, I will make my word open to you. It shall not be a strange language in the true eloquence of simplicity with voice and pen, the messages that I give shall be heard from one who has never learned in the schools. My spirit, God says, my power shall be with you. Does that sound like uh, somebody that we wouldn't want to listen to? Here's, here's some of the work that Ellen White did over time, guiding this church through, through many, many storms, through, through much turbulence. With great, with great power from God, the edification, the exhortation, the comfort to God's people. We could go on for hours and share what she did. But look, organizational structure. She helped provide the organizational structure that we have today of conferences and unions and, and, and the leadership scenario that we have that is unlike 
any other really in the world that is, has proved an incredible model. Publishing work with her and her husband there said, this, this will go all around the world. I saw streams of light going all around the world. And today, 63 publishing houses, 17 literature ministry seminars, hundreds of ABCs, and 47,544 literature evangelists. That's what's happened today. Health system, 170 hospitals, sanitariums, 381 clinics and dispensaries, 115 nursing homes, retirement centers, 36 orphanages, and that's growing. Health reform, why the ladies, you live 6.1 years lo longer, and the men 9.5 years longer, and we still can't catch up to you. But uh, I, I won't even go there today. But uh, because of following what God said through his prophet about health reform. School system, 7,764 universities in 145 countries. Worldwide, they tell us if you look at the, as a denomination of the world, we're the sixth largest in the world in 203 countries. Do you think that had anything to do with prophetic guidance? Is there any other denomination that spreads so far and wide with so much in such a short period of time? I don't think so. Salmanuka, she, uh, or, excuse me, uh, Salamanca, had an interesting vision. This was an incredible vision. But as she had this vision, she did as she normally does. She began writing things down, but she would leave parts, parts open in her journal that she knew God would fill in later. And she, she wrote out, and then she tried to, she got up one day and she was going to speak about it. And as she got to that point, she couldn't say anything. Yet God just like wiped her mind. And she said, well, I'll say more about that later. A little later, she, she again attempted to talk about this vision. And God just wiped her mind again. And she couldn't understand it. It so plagued her. And she said, well, I'll say more about that later. And I believe it was about three times she tried to say more about this particular vision at some meetings. And again, she went blank. At the moment she was ready to share it, she went blank. And it was very frustrating to her. The Brethren General Conference session was just coming up, and uh, Elder, I believe it was Elder Olson, asked her to, to uh, uh, come, and, and did she want to share something that morning? She says, no, Brethren, says, I, I have nothing to share. She told all of her assistants, sleep in this morning. There's, there's nothing to, to do today, and boy, everyone wiped a, a sigh of relief from their brow because they continually worked so hard. She, she was a lady who was, you know, up uh, way before the chickens and, you know, way late writing continually and, and uh, sharing these visions of God and all the information. But at about 3 o'clock in the morning, she woke up. God, she said, woke her up. Her son, Willie, at 5 o'clock is walking toward the meeting. There's going to be an early morning meeting. And Willie looks over and sees the lights of his mother's house on. And he thinks, this is strange. They go up, they knock at the door and says, please come in, Willie, come in. I want to go with you this morning. I need to speak to the brethren. And she grabs up all of her manuscripts and everything. She'd been writing for a couple hours. And she heads with Willie and someone else to the meeting. They get to the meeting. And that particular meeting was a meeting about dropping the name Seventh-day Adventist off of one of the publications. And she'd been saying, you, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. 
she stands up in that meeting and she lays out before the brethren exactly what God had shown her in vision. And all of a sudden, A.F. Ballinger, who is the editor of the American Sentinel, stands up and says, Last night, last night, this very night, we met in a closed-door meeting. We went into the review, we locked the door, and some of us met in there, and I held up the very magazine and said, we've got to get rid of this name off of this magazine. We've got to do away with the Sabbath in here so it'll be more open for more people. And he began crying, and he said, you have said exactly what happened in that meeting. And Ellen, Ellen said, what? What? You, you, mean, you mean last night? Last night she couldn't imagine it had just happened because she'd been wanting to share this vision for so long and it just happened. Had she shared that vision at any other time, everybody would have thought she was absolutely crazy. But God had shut her mind and shut her mouth until that very moment. And all of a sudden, many brethren came forward. Many said, yes, that's absolutely true. And all the ministers that were at that meeting realized what God had done and the miracle that had happened right there. And that meeting that was supposed to end within an hour went on for hours and hours and hours in a special time of prayer and seeking God. And this is just one tiny example of how God used Ellen White to call his people back from the brink of danger. The, 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 the libraries are full of these kinds of things. Ellen White wrote one time from Australia, sent a specific message to meet head-on what was going on with uh, Kellogg and his, his new book on pantheism. The letters arrived at the very moment, at the very time certain men were going to speak in favor of it. The very moment, all the way from Australia. You know how long it took for a letter to get from Australia to the United States and then from the United States to, to its journey to where it was supposed to go and God timed it perfectly to have the letter from his prophet arrive exactly on time to call his people from danger to safety. Brothers and sisters, we are almost home. We are encamped at the borders of the promised land and God instructed at that same time when it happened to the children of Israel to rehearse, to rehearse all the dealings that the Lord had done with them in the wilderness. And God does the same for us. Today, we must rehearse the instruction that God has given to us as a people. The warfare between the forces of light and darkness is going on. Those who think that the powers of evil are asleep are what? Very much mistaken. Very much mistaken. The enemy is constantly seeking to bring in things that will unsettle the confidence of God's people. These things may appear very inoffensive, but they contain grave errors and dangers which must be met. We must take our stand firmly in defense of the truth given us after the passing of time. The Holy Spirit gave us an understanding of these truths. Satan's purpose is through his devices to make of what? None affect the testimonies of the Spirit of God. If he can lead the minds of the people of God to see things in a perverted light, they will do what? Lose confidence in the message God sends. How? Through his servants. Then he can the more readily deceive and not be detected. Wow. The very last deception. Which deception? The very last deception of Satan will to make of none affect the testimony of the Spirit of God. Where there is no vision, 
Proverbs says the people do what? Perish. Where there is no vision, brothers and sisters, the people perish. Where there is no prophet to call God's people back from the brink of danger, we perish. It is Satan's special object to prevent this light from coming to the people of God who so greatly needed amid the perils of these last days. It is Satan's plan to weaken the faith of God's people in the testimonies. Next, listen to this now, listen to this progression. Next follows skepticism in regard to the vital points of our faith, the pillars of our position, then doubt as to the Holy Scriptures, and then the, march, the downward march to perdition. Wow. Remove the prophet, remove the counsels, remove the one who continually calls to God and skepticism sets in, doubt to the Holy Scriptures, and the downward march to perdition. Can't be made much plainer than that. Had not the Lord Jesus sent message after message of rebuke, of warning, of entreaty to those self-satisfied ones? Have not his counsel been despised and rejected? Have not his delegated messengers been treated with scorn and their words been received as idle tales? When you find men questioning the testimonies, finding fault with them, and seeking to draw away the people from their influence, listen to this, be assured that God is not at work through them. It is another spirit. Oh, we shouldn't bring Ellen White in the pulpit. Oh, we shouldn't have Ellen White in the Sabbath school. We should keep that in the home. Oh, we shouldn't say this. We shouldn't use her in this way. Oh, we shouldn't do that. Really? Let us consider our confidence before God. Let us heed the counsel of the true witness. Let none of us be filled with the prejudice as were the Jews that light may not come unto our hearts. Let us not be necessary for Christ let it not be necessary for Christ to say of us as he did of them ye will not come to me that you might have life the counsel the true witness does not represent those who are lukewarm as in a hopeless case there is yet a last chance of remedy to the state of the Laodicean message is full of encouragement purity of heart purity of motive may yet characterize those who are half-hearted and those who are striving to serve God and mammon there is hope. No matter what your case is, no matter what the situation is, praise God, there is hope. When you listen to Jesus Christ, when you listen to the prophet, there is always hope. There are the lost scrolls. Josiah, they found the scrolls, they read the scrolls, they said, oh man, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? God is so mad at us. God is so upset with us. And the first thing they did is send their top emissaries to the prophet. You want revival? You want change? Go to the prophet. Go to the prophet. Abundant light has been given to our people in these last days. Whether or not my life is spared, my writings will constantly speak, and their work will go forward as long as time shall last. My writings are kept on file in the office, even though I should not live. These words that have been given to me by who? By the Lord will still have life and will speak to the people. We also have a more sure word of prophecy to which you do well to take heed, brethren, as to a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the day star arises in your hearts. How will the day star arise in your heart when you follow God's prophets? And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. God's prophets. God's prophets are still calling, called all through history. They're calling us today. 
For the Lord Jehovah will do nothing unless he reveals his secrets, how? To his servants, the prophets. God doesn't do anything without revealing his secrets to his prophets, to us. That's how it works. He who receives whomever I send receives me. You want to receive God? Receive his prophets. My wife, i got to tell you just real quickly, only got a couple minutes left here, but my wife was raised as a Christian scientist. Wow. When we be, God drew us to the Adventist church, she had real troubles with Ellen White, but she decided to be baptized. Two years went by, and then God wrote an interesting book through Renee Nurbergen, Prophet of Destiny. She read that book, and you can still get it at you know, some of the various areas. You can Google it and find it. She read that book. And all of a sudden, she woke up. She, she began reading things like this and the incredible, the incredible things that God had led his church to do through the prophet. She said, this is it. I believe. Hallelujah. And it changed her life at that moment. Men may get up scheme after scheme, and the enemy will seek to seduce souls from the truth, but all who believe that the Lord has spoken by Sister White and has given her a message will be safe from the many delusions that are to come in these last days. Brothers and sisters, do you want to be safe from the delusions that are happening all around us? Do you want to be safe from everything that's coming upon us? The devil will seek to deceive, if possible, the very elect of God. Why is it not possible to deceive the very elect? Because they are listening to the prophet. They are listening to the very ones that God sent to call from danger to safety. This morning, do you want to be called from danger to safety? Let me see your hands. Do you want to follow God at any cost? Amen and amen. Let's have a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your incredible love. Lord, thank you for your prophets. Thank you for your messengers who always call us from the brink of danger, from the brink of disaster. Lord, please help us to, to study more in your word and help us to read more too, Lord, of what your prophet has told us for these last days, these last moments, special counsel for these times. Thank you, Father, so much. Go with each person here today. Bless them in a mighty way. Put your arms around them and hold them so tightly that they will be able to feel your heartbeat. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.